Welcome to Kill Tank Radio, a 2CR production. Never scripted, always relevant, and on topics you want to hear about. Feel free to reach out if you have a suggestion or you'd like to be on the show. How do we actually inspire our young soldiers to be experts? Get out there, talk to your soldiers so that you can solve those quick win problems. I think approachability is gained through availability. I want to take you outside and fight you right now. Why do you think those are such important programs that we have for our soldiers, Major? When everything is good, leadership is easy. You don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall back to the level of your training and your conditioning. 100%. Hey, Dragoons, today I have the honor of having a USRA Sergeant Major, Command Sergeant Major, Rob Abernathy. You entered the Army in 1987 as an infantryman. Uh, you served in the Old Guard, you've served as a recruiter, and then served in two or three different special operations groups. Uh, so then you were also the USSOC Sergeant Major as well. And now you currently are the USRA Sergeant Major uh, with Lieutenant General Cavoli. You've been a combat diver, SEER school, jump master, and then obviously the Q course in SFAS. Talking about uh, having you on the podcast is... Uh, it's truly awesome, Sergeant Major, because the genesis and the idea of this podcast came from a conversation that I had with you and uh, Lieutenant General Cavoli. You asked the question, what are we going to keep? What do we want to continue to implement after COVID kind of goes through? One of the things that we kind of talked about was using the digital realm to reach out and mentor and connect with our soldiers. We'd, we'd had the conversation before between some of the field grades and myself up at the regimental staff. But after that conversation, that's when I looked at Colonel Hof at the time and, uh, you know, Major Appling and some of the other individuals. And I said, we're going to do a podcast. We need to start this. We need to get this going. And uh, that's kind of where this came from. And speaking of the podcast and kind of the history of the podcast, you are definitely the, the most senior individual we've had on the podcast and we're truly uh, honored to ha- kind of have you here today, Sergeant Major. Thanks for having me, and I'm happy to be here in Dragoon Country and spend a little bit of time with you and the team here. Um, and if I was uh, any influence at all, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we're doing it. You know, at the end of the day, we need to be multimodal in how we actually connect with mm-hmm. and send information to our formations, our soldiers, and their families. You guys taking on this initiative, I think it's huge. You're doing great work. I've listened to several of them. Um, and oh, by the way, you got a great radio voice. You know, you should <laughs> think about doing this as a career uh, once you get out of the military. I appreciate that, Sergeant Major. Yeah, I mean, they've been so much fun. I mean, I've grown in as a leader doing these. The individuals that we've had in, and you know, Major Appling and some of the other, you know, some of the other crew members, uh, they really find soldiers that just are passionate about the subject we talk about. It's been an amazing way to capture it. And I've taken notes throughout episodes and they've definitely even kind of helped me shape as a leader. So diving into this, SAR Major, is a USRA SAR Major. We just uh, left a discussion where we were talking about this is my squad initiative by the SAR Major of the Army. And then, you know, some of the diversity things that are going on in line with that discussion and the conversations you have with the SAR Major of the Army. What is it you're expecting of leaders? You know, what do you want of leaders? What do you need them focus on? I think as leaders, anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of great definitions out there. we got an army definition for leadership. The topic of leadership is discussed in too many books to, to name right now. But the essence of leadership, I think, really just comes down to having genuine care and concern for people. And then through that, influencing them to solve problems for the organization. Um, and so in, in very simple terms, I, that's what I expect leaders to do is know and understand their people's wants, 
needs and desires. Uh, and I use the term people very specifically to not just say soldiers, but also the people that the soldiers care about, their families as well. We need to understand why did people join the army? There's a lot of different reasons. Why do you continue to serve after 33 years? One, I just love this business. I mean, I truly believe this is a very professional organization that has taken care of me and my family for now 33 years. And I know that I'll be a soldier for life and they'll continue to take care of me. And I'll be honest with you, when I was close to 20 years of service. Um, you know, I struggled with the, answering the question, hey, am I going to stay in? Or am I going to retire? And I was dead set. Hey, I'm planning to retire. <laughs> I'm getting out. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple years before that, I was still an E-8 and I was a team sergeant did, uh, you know, in special forces and did five years as a team sergeant in, in two different groups, you know, out in Okinawa for a little bit of time. And then a couple years back in third group, you know, at the height of the war, doing lots of great stuff. And I was really focused on getting out of that time and going to school. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I was promoted to E9 before I hit my 20-year mark and had to make a hard decision. Well, I guess yep. I'm going to stick it out for a few more years. And I don't know if others have this same experience. But uh, my experience is the exact same. You know, and you know, Sergeant Major Foleno, you know, he was the guy that's like, well, you're promotable. What are you going to do? I don't know. What should I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where we're really kind of looking for <laughs> advice, you know. And I think I joined the Army to be a soldier, to do soldier stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think every soldier in the Army joins the Army to do soldier stuff. Right. I think as you reach Sergeant Major, there's less soldier stuff you get opportunities to do. Yes. I was excited about being on a demo range for 45 minutes today. That it was awesome. <laughs> it was are, great. Those are some of the highlights of you know my Army career nowadays is anytime I get to touch any kind of Army stuff, it, it's just phenomenal. The, the CG and I were just in um, Norway not too long ago, and we went all the way up north to the northern part, and the uh, Norwegian Army did a good job taking care of us, took us out to a, a range, and they have some phenomenal ranges out there. I got to shoot a sniper weapon. Nice. You know, 50 cal cg did as well i think i shot better than him but don't tell him don't tell him that I won't tell. Uh, we were riding atvs I mean, we were doing army soldier stuff and i loved it and then we get away from that and we're doing all the other things so anyway to answer your question i think what keeps me in though is understanding the sphere of influence that i now have right uh, you know what i look at now is yeah although i get joy in doing soldier stuff and i'd love to be able to do that day in and day out where i find value now is providing resources to the soldiers yes, right. to make sure that they are getting valuable training that they are getting the resources to take care of their soldiers and the families that actually serve them um and and now for me it's all about giving back so coming back to the discussion we were just having you know where you were talking about you know why you continue to serve. During these kind of uncertain times, Sergeant Major, what advice would you give to leaders, you know, as far as leading through this adversity that we're experiencing across the globe and in the Army? You know, I tell you, as leaders, when everything is good, leadership is easy. But that's not why we pay leaders to be leaders. We, okay. we actually pay that's leaders fair. to yeah. kind of, you know, focus on being prepared for and react into contact. Mm -hmm. if you will, and react inappropriately to contact. As you well know, we've all been there, or some of us have you know, been in combat situations, and the enemy always gives a vote, and, yeah. and, and it is always unexpected, but we prepare for that. So the preparation that I would ask for leaders out there now to do in terms of kind of dealing with some of the issues that we're having now is to be connected to your folks, 
make yourself available to them, and then listen to them. I think it matters that we make ourselves available, we spend time and listen to what they actually have to say. Along with that, we're, we should be transmitting some message as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of our transmission of message should be transparent with the information that we do have at the, at the time. Uh, We may not have all the answers to the questions that are available, but we give the answers that we do have. And then our message also has to be a bit reassuring in terms of kind of establishing that. I was reading the... uh the book Legacy, um, but in there they kind of you know talk about this as well in terms of kind of dealing with uncertainty, and uh, they, they talk about the discussion between you know red face and blue face. Uh, red mm-hmm. face obviously not being able to deal with the consequences that are okay. you know here, and then kind of blue face kind of having a cool head and working your way through it. Um, and and what they discuss in there is always be able to have an ability to assess, adjust, and then act. So we assess the situation, we adjust the conditions that we have, and then we have to act. So you can never sit and do nothing. We have to absolutely do something to take ourselves from chaos to kind of a clear thinking, if you will, in terms of, you know, what's going on around us and then into some new action. You talked about authentic leadership and something that I've come to say is a lot of people say they have open doors. Their door might be open, but the human being that's on the other side of that door is not open meaning they're either too distracted, they're too busy, or they're in a mood. So they're not ready to receive that individual and invite them in and then be open to a two-lay dialogue. That's something I've always appreciated about you with all the demands that are over uh, on your time. Whenever I've I've tried to call you or I've emailed you, you might not have the time, but you always follow up with me. Being the user of major and the demands that you have, why is that important that leaders at every level do that? Yeah, well, I think the importance, at least in my mind, is quite obvious. If I don't know what you need, then I can't be helpful in your endeavor to solve problems for your folks. That availability is absolutely key. So you're right. You can have an open door policy, but if you're not openly available to your point, then people aren't going to walk through your open door. But more than that, though, it's not so much about having a passive open door policy. Uh I like to transition it from a passive open door policy to an active open door policy. So what I mean by that is you got to get yourself out of your office Uh, and out and make yourself available. Um, So, you know, I remember when I was a a battalion CSM out at Fort Campbell, you know, I would go around and, and duck my head into team rooms. I'd walk around to each of the team rooms that are inside the building there. And I tell you what, as a battalion CSM walking into, you know, an an ODA's team room, they would look at me with funny (laughs) looks. Um, And I'd ask them, I'd have a conversation with, hey, what do you guys need? What's going on? So on and so forth. And honestly, I got kind of a, you know, the cold shoulder, didn't get a whole lot of interaction with them and everything, especially the first couple of times. But what I found was that over time, soon I built the trust that was needed for them to actually have an honest, candid conversation with me. You talk about approachability. Um, I think approachability is gained through availability. Okay. Um, so you make the more you make yourself available, they see that you are authentic as a leader and you're authentically interested in their concerns. And then you can actually start to actually receive feedback. And that's what you want. You want feedback from them so that way you can actually kind of shape the way you think um, as well. Something else I want to talk about just quickly on this kind Please, of same sir, topic sure. is authenticity. So what does what does authenticity mean? In my mind, I think it's clear alignment of your beliefs, your thoughts, your words 
and your actions. So, and if you think about it, there's a separation in there in terms of what is below the surface and what is above the surface. So the things that are above the surface are words and actions. That's what people see. And only what you know is your beliefs and thoughts. If we have a misalignment there, you're not authentic. So you need to make sure that your words and actions are a reflection or, a, you know, it's, it's, it's delivering the beliefs and thoughts that you actually have. That's what makes authentic people authentic. I think the other part of, you know, that feedback piece too, Sergeant Major, is, is why you also probably built that trust is the problems or issues that they had, you also made an effort to solve them, you know, to provide them the resources or whatever it was. And I think that also probably built that trust over time as well too, is that we've all had it where we've talked to leaders before. We've said, hey, we have this concern or, hey, we're having these issues or we need these resources or anything else. And then that's the end of it. You never hear, you never get any kind of feedback or that thing that you needed never shows up. So I think an important part of that as well is that feedback results in, just like you just said, the actions, you know, it actually becomes something. And then over time, you doing that, you build trust. And what I, when I talk to uh, first sergeants and the sergeant majors about is, is when they first kind of come into position, look for quick wins, get out there, talk to your soldiers so that you can solve those quick win problems, you know, whatever it might be. And then that'll be that kind of the foundation of that trust that'll be built over time because they go, okay, this isn't just another leader that's just talking because that's what leaders are supposed to do. It's because he actually, it means something and it's going to, it's going to have result. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it's always great to establish authenticity and credibility right off the bat. If you're a leader to come in and get quick wins, that's a really good point. Because some things, especially in my world, they're more long-term wins. But still, even with the long-term wins, kind of to your point, you have to circle back and give feedback. Hey, still working on that. Yeah, right. It yep. is a work in progress. Absolutely. Here's where we are on the action. So what is, you know, what is some other lessons that you learned as a SAR major? Well, I think one of the most important lessons is just kind of having some self-awareness in terms of who you are as it relates to the position. Because it's, it's not about me, but it is about this position and making sure that I have respect for this position and I'm modeling the proper behavior with, you know, all of my actions, uh, kind of talking about the authenticity again. My actions are matching my words, trying to be at the right places at the right time. I'm very keenly focused on taking care of people. And I believe if we take care of the people, the mission will also take care of itself. 100% agree, Sergeant So I was here at 2CR prior to uh, Lieutenant General Cavoli and, you know, your arrival. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen as the changes is that it was a different mission prior to that. It was about being a lot of different places to kind of deter. Uh, but it's changed now where, hey, let's focus on the quality of the missions and the, the exercises that we're doing. But then also let's take care of our people. Make this experience being stationed in Europe. I, I often talk about I came here for six weeks back in 2001. And for the next 17 years, I was trying to get back here because I love the area so much. I wanted to be stationed here again, you know, and I wanted to experience this because we are people. And yes, the army is our job and it's our life, but uh, we do want to do enjoyable things at the same time. So. And so the only other thing that I would probably add to that too, in terms of just kind of learning, you know, as a lesson as a CSM, but this is really just an ongoing process of lessons that I've learned is, man, you got to continue to do your homework. I think it is so important that you never get comfortable with where you are in terms of your knowledge, yep. um, education, and experience. Uh, it, it, as soon as you do that, you become irrelevant to some extent. So to continuously learn through your career, um, even after 33 years or something, I mean, I struggled with it at times, honestly. 
Um, but I'm not there now. I mean, I'm all about trying to make myself better, to be better educated, be better connected to things that are going on in here in Europe, be better connected to things that are going on inside the Army, and then just some personal development as well. Uh, I think those are all helpful things. And So, Dragoons, you hear, you know, Sergeant Major Abernathy talking about being in the Army for 33 years, and one of the most important things is preparing yourself. Preparing self. It's an attribute that we're rated against on the back of our NCBR. It's a leader attribute that's outlined in the you know, TC 7 22. And the reason I also want to emphasize that too, Sergeant Major, you know, and I'm kind of curious to your thoughts. Oftentimes when I talk to soldiers, you know, going back to that kind of the feedback thing is things that they want us to work on, things that they want us to focus on. There's also always an element of ownership at their level as well. They need to do things just very simply as far as training events go, where they need to prepare themselves to make that, you know, that training event at whatever level better. Talking about the self-development piece, and as you talked about, you know, after 33 years, you continue to still do it and you continue to have lessons learned, things that you want to do better and you want to know more of. Why is that so important in the Army profession? So, yeah, I think that, in you know, in our profession, like many other professions, if you think about it, professions that are, that have a professional trade, mm-hmm. they work day in and day out, hour upon hour at becoming experts at that trade. You know, I, I for one believe that we need to create a culture that is inspired to be excellent with everything that we do. And you've heard me say this before, I I put excellence really to be built in two bins. Mm -hmm. You need to be an expert soldier. Yes. And you need to be an expert at your trade because both of those are very, very important. Whatever your job is, I need you to be truly an expert at that. Now, what does expertise actually mean? So you have to define that for yourself. But I will tell you, it should be an aspirational goal. Mm -hmm. It is it is a journey with no end. And if it truly is a journey with no end, that means you can't necessarily solve that from nine to five. No. You should actually embody the desire to be an expert in whatever your trade craft happens to be and work in the self-development domain. The Army will take care of you in the operational domain and the institutional domain, surely. But most of the time is actually you own. You own most of the time to become an expert. Um, And that's what we have to do is how do we actually inspire our young soldiers to be experts? Absolutely. Um, And then once you get an expert at your tradecraft, you also need to be an expert soldier. As we've seen through the last couple of decades of combat, any soldier can be called upon to engage with and destroy the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes soldier skills to actually do that. So I think both of those are important skills. And there's too little time on the calendar to be an expert in both of those unless you actually do it yourself. Absolutely, Sergeant Major. You know, you're a big advocate for the best warrior competition, you know, which just finished up down in Holmfelds. I know that you've always been interested in the ex- uh, soldier's badge and expert infantryman's badge uh, that 2CR is doing. You, you've asked me to send you, you know, the... The products for that, but then also the results of it and everything else. It is a journey, but there are successes and kind of marks along the way. Why do you think those are such important programs that we have for our soldiers, Sergeant Major? Well, I think it, it supports our earlier conversation. I mean, yep. it really supports a culture that that drives towards excellence with everything that we do. Absolutely, um, and that's exactly what it's all about. Um, and specific to ESB. EIB, EFMB. Yeah, um, I mean, that, the first E stands for expert, right? Yeah, right. So that's what it's all about. Those those programs are built to inspire people to be experts in their trade. And then at the same time, so you, now you connect that to the best warrior competition. Now I take a collection of experts and now I'm going to compete them against each other. 
Mm. Competition is healthy. It absolutely is. As warriors, we should not be afraid of competition. I agree. I should be. I want to take you outside and fight you right now. I'll, I'll probably lose. <laughs> All right. I'll probably lose. <laughs> but I shouldn't be afraid of that. It's a warrior mindset. A warrior mindset. And it's getting people to compete. And of course, you want to win. You want to win. But if you don't, you learn through failure. And that's okay, too. Because uh, next day, it, it, you continue to fail. You continue to learn. You iterate through that over and over again. Soon, you're going to find yourself at the, you know, on the top stool. I think something that will be just right in line with that is, is, you know, you referenced combat earlier, Sergeant Major. Being an expert, you know, training on, you know, the fundamental task and everything else, tying that directly into combat, especially in the organization that you've been a part of, predominant amount of your career, Sergeant Major. You know, what, what do you see as the, the lesson you've learned? learned through that that kind of translates into combat yeah so a couple of things I, I, I think I think we have the best army in the world I agree I, I think we can deploy fight and win against you know any foe anytime anywhere I think we're gonna absolutely do that the difference is in terms of expertise I think the huge factor that's out there is you know how do you want to win do you want to win fast or do you mm. want to win slow and I think there's a direct correlation to how fit disciplined, well-trained, and ready we are. In, in other words, how much of an expert we are, in, both individually, small collective, and big collective. If the, the closer we are to that expert level, the faster we're going to win. There's a direct correlation to it. Yeah. Um, the less of an expert that we're going to be, we're going to meander around a little bit. We'll still get to a win, but it's going to take a lot longer. Uh, and I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't want to win slow. Now, now, secondly, and, and probably a bit more tactically, if you will, when you train at the point of almost failing and you do that over and over again and you're really adamant about focused on discipline and you just do you just iterate over and over again on you name the task. The goal and the purpose of doing all of that is to have it ingrained where you do it instinctively. Mm -hmm. And and that makes a huge difference on the battlefield. And I'm it sure does. you've seen it as well. When chaos begins, you can forget about everything and your body just reacts. And yep. it just does stuff automatically. And that's the difference. If we are truly experts and we're training at the level that we need to train, when the stuff hits the fan, we're just going to go into automatic mode. And will be victorious. You don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall back to the level of your training and your conditioning. A hundred percent. So what's the, the hardest decision you think you've ever had to make as an NCO major? My last job, as you well know, I was a USASOC CSM. Mm -hmm. um, and I got promoted to that position uh, probably ahead of you know some of my peers. So I was now ahead of folks that were formerly either peers of mine or in some cases, some folks that are actually more senior to me. But I was in this position where I had to still manage that population. So these are all friends, partners, folks that I've known for a long time. I think in the Army, we sometimes have a hard time sitting people down and giving them hard, mm. real yep. conversations about their yes. performance and their potential. But I'm talking about real conversations. Absolutely. And then being able to do so with folks that you love and respect um, that were either peers or even senior to you at some point in time and to tell somebody, hey, you're number five of six. And here's why. Yeah. That was a very tough action that I had to kind of take on um, and something that I didn't fall into naturally. But over time and with practice, I did it. And I'll tell you what, those were some tough conversations. Absolutely, Sergeant Major. I, it was almost combative a few times. But what I found was usually after a little bit of time went by, you know, those folks would call me back and they'd say, Rob, hey, 
I really do appreciate the conversation. I appreciate that feedback. At the end of the day, especially at this level, at the, at the very senior level, I think everybody thinks they're number one. And that's good. I want you to think like you're number one. Reality is only one person can be number one. Yeah, the Army pays us to have those tough discussions. For some of our you know, lower enlisted or junior enlisted, they really need to have the tough conversations of, hey, you are just a phenomenal human being, but if you don't, if you can't get to this level or you can't do this, then maybe the army is not the best option for you. I think sometimes that people skirt away from having that conversation because it is difficult. It's extremely, extremely uncomfortable. I'm at any echelon, even at, you know having it with another SAR major. You're both SAR majors. You just happen to sit at a higher echelon, but it's still a tough conversation. That is what the Army pays us to do, and we have a responsibility to the Army to have those conversations that you were just referring to and then also the ones I was referring to. A hundred percent. When I was a younger E9 growing up and when I was a younger E8 growing up, there wasn't folks out there giving me those hard conversations. And, yeah. And I probably could have used some of those hard Absolutely. conversations. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a product of my own experience, uh, and maybe it's not as pervasive as I think that it is. You know, if you're a leader out there and you care, and I know that you do, have the hard conversation. It's important. So what's uh, probably the coolest, the most interesting thing you've ever been able to do as a user of Sarmander? This one's probably, you know, going to be hard to top. But I had an opportunity at D-Day 74 to, you know, oh, okay. jump at Normandy. And I had a door position as well. I tell you, you know, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck right oh. now just kind of thinking about that. And it brings a lot of motion inside of me because it connects me to our past. It connects Absolutely. me to those brave soldiers that didn't know what they were getting into in the middle of the night, just chaos going on around them. Um, and we asked them in the very early days of parachuting to jump out of a perfectly good aircraft into the unknown and, and just spread over hither and yon and with, you know, a mission mind, but not exactly sure how they were going to get after it. I'm overwhelmed by the thought of it, but they did so without question. And I tell you, today we could, we could look back at that lesson and never forget uh, where we came from. Uh, we are here today because of them, because of those brave soldiers back then. And we need to carry on everything that was great about the greatest generation today with our actions and everything that we do now. So yeah, that was a pretty awesome event. You talked about the history, Sergeant Major, and you know, living in Europe and uh, you know, seeing the history of this place. You know, what are some what are some of your favorite things that you've done since you've been stationed here? You know, some of the favorite places you've been. You know, we got new twins, which is yeah. keeping us kind of tied down here. <laughs> yeah, they have. Uh, lately, they're now you know fourteen, almost fifteen months old, um, and they're fantastic. A boy, girl, set of twins, and, and we have actually done some travel with them. I mean, just recently we went to Nuremberg, did a train trip down there. I mean, just a phenomenal city. The great thing about Europe is you can just about go anywhere yeah and see awesome stuff absolutely uh, so much different than you know back in the states i mean you'll find buildings that are literally four times the age of our country yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean literally so that's 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 always been kind of neat you know i've done a couple of staff rides yeah. you know work related but you know get out to a couple of these sites and again kind of connected back to most of it most of the staff rides are all connected to world war ii those have all been phenomenal as well and, and all the stuff is still there you know yeah. the it, so it's it's it, that's been great. My wife and I, we did a trip to Malta. Oh. So we were so excited about that. You know, pretty small island, you know, out in the Mediterranean, done some diving in the mid. I had, you know, some aspirations of, you know, going out and doing a little dive. And we were so excited about it. And it was fantastic. And we head down there. And that place has like phenomenal weather. 
like 90% of the year. Oh, no. We were there during the 10% of oh, the year. Man. No kidding. It was like perfect weather, days leading up to it. And, and the and the three days that we were there, it was just winds were like 35 knots, oh, you know, man. rain, uh, you know, kind of sporadically coming in and out. We spent a lot of time in the hotel. And luckily, we had a nice hotel and it was pretty decent. But <laughs> yeah, I, was, I didn't get into the water. Uh, I won't tell you about my multi experience thing because it'll make you jealous. Well, sorry, Major. Um, you know, I appreciate, uh, you know, everything you've shared. I just can't tell you how much respect I have for you, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, as a man, as a father, and as a SAR major. Um, you know, you definitely met a mentor. Sometimes even inadvertently, you didn't even know it. You know, I just, uh, I'll, I'll give you the kind of the closing comments of whatever it is that you want to talk to, you know, 2CR. And, you know, we're, we're starting to we're starting to make the rounds. We're, we're getting outside of 2CR. We have some listeners that are in and outside the Army. So, you know, what kind of, you know, advice or kind of closing thoughts that, you know, you'd want to share with everybody for all eternity because podcasts will last forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nope. right. Well, I, I guess my advice would be simple. And, and I kind of think about the old Army motto of be all you can be. I really do love this Army. And this Army has been great to me, my family, my siblings. Yeah, I'm a military brat. I mean, it has really been good to me. And you have children that have served as well. Yeah, my three older boys have all served. One still continuing to serve right now. Staff Sergeant Abernathy is up at the 12th cab at Cotterbach, you know, uh, hit him up on uh, one of those games. Call of Duty. He's playing Call of Duty or something. You'll find him out there in some weird chat room or something like that. So if you see an Abernathy out there, it's him, not me. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so just be all that you can be, but do it in a way that is authentic and genuine as leaders, as people that care about the people that are around them, regardless of rank. You mentioned your RCO talks about doing it with a positive environment, you know, keeping that positivity out there too. I think that's a huge aspect of it. I do believe smiles are contagious. Why not smile? Yeah, absolutely. You know, why not smile? I mean, this is really a great place. And the last thing that I would say is to is never forget where you come from and never be afraid to continue to do the dirty jobs you expect your folks to do. Absolutely. And do them. Yeah. Do them. As a matter of fact, not that it's a dirty job, but we're going to do a PT session tomorrow. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Oh, yeah. I'm still a soldier. We got to do soldier stuff. Um, And I think that there's something to be said for a leader that is willing to still get out there and push your broom with their soldiers. Absolutely. Never forget about that. And you're never too important to pick up a broom and sweep the floor. Absolutely, Sergeant Major. Well, again, Sergeant Major, appreciate you coming on. And uh, thank you for all you do for uh, 2CR and uh, USRA. You're you're truly a remarkable leader that a a lot of people need to emulate. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And for everybody out there in 2CR, really, really proud of the work that you guys do day in and day out, working with our international partners, uh, leading by example. I mean, you truly are a shiny spot inside of the U.S. Army Europe footprint, and I'm proud to be working alongside you. Thanks. Thank you, Sergeant Major. Dragoon 7 signing off the net.